For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Welcome back to the Dirt Talk Podcast Monday episode series 62.5 with me, Aaron Witt, and Alex Horton. Alex Horton. Howdy. We're back, everybody. And this is the second one we've recorded this week because I am traveling Mm -hmm. next week. So we're trying to do as many in person as we can. It just goes a little bit better. It goes a little bit better. It sounds a little bit better. So it's not ideal that we're doing two in one week because that means we talk about the same thing twice. <laughs> However, we hope we're bringing you new content today. Well, I think for the most part, we can avoid anything that's truly like a repeat. You know, I think it's either something that has like moved between then and now, or we just don't really have to talk about it. Yeah. And if nothing else, we have new questions. That's true. So the questions are getting good, folks. They're getting good. They're getting good. Not that they weren't good. Yeah, it's been fun to see what we're getting. And um, I guess going to this week, it was uh, an adventure yesterday launching Buildwood Excavating and Grading. Huge move for Buildwood. Yeah, the world's largest earth moving contractor. Mm-hmm. Already. Of- officially. Yep. yep. Already. Um, so we're really excited about that new venture. And we. Eric made that social media profile yesterday just for fun, but it was so much fun that I think we're just going to keep it rolling. <laughs> uh, it provided a handful of laughs for me yesterday. I, yes, I spent my entire day yesterday <laughs> making up stupid <laughs> posts about Buildwood excavating and grading for mm-hmm. people's enjoyment, and it was well received. Um, I'm sure we got a handful of job applications. We got job applications and I'm sure it annoyed some people, um, which I'm very okay with, but for the most part, people seem to enjoy it. So we're just going to keep it on rolling. That's it's just hilarious. I love it. <laughs> so that's really the major development of this week. Yeah. Really? We're just focusing on like a meme account. Not a lot of business getting done around here. That's all we do. That's all we do, or at least that's all I do. Because, like we talked about, I went on vacation. Now, now no one needs me officially, so I need to occupy my time somehow. And that is how by making stupid memes. Well, they, you know what they say: when you start a business, you don't have to do any work anymore once it starts. 
Yes. I tell people I just sit around and count my money. Yep. It doesn't exist, but <laughs> as long as they believe it, that's all that matters. Did we, um, on, on, on last week's episode, did we talk about where I'm going specifically in, Calif- in no, California? we have not. Okay, so this episode will be dropping after I've been in California one week. Yeah, okay. And I have not been there yet, but while you're hearing this, I will have gone to, for this this past week, I will have gone to Turf Construction, mm-hmm. um, which is a build with partner on Monday, on Tuesday, doing LA County uh, sanitation. So I'm seeing a transfer station, uh, landfill, and a, a a tunnel. They're they're boring a seven mile tunnel, and they just assembled the TBM that's going in the in the hole and mm-hmm. starting to dig in a few weeks. So I get to see that, which is pretty crazy. He he, I I reached out to him and said, hey hey dude, you're you're, you're cool with me coming out on on Tuesday. He's like. Yeah, crazy question, but do you want to see a, a 18-foot diameter TBM that we just assembled? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Does a bear shit in the woods? Yeah. So that's Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, I'm going to see LB3, just for old time's sake, mm-hmm. where it all began. Yep. They're they're working in Southern California, of course, then going to see Quinn Cat and visiting their City of Industry shop. Then on Thursday, we're going to see J.W. Fowler, another build with partner. Yeah. They're out of, um, they're, they're kind of by Salem, Oregon, but they do a lot of work in San Diego. So they're doing work on a site that I've been out to quite a few times in the past, which I'm very excited to see it again because mm-hmm. it's probably dramatically changed since I was last there in, I think, 2019. Um, and then maybe stopping by some peed equipment projects and maybe seeing Jared McNeil at his farm in Temecula, which is a great place. Then lastly, on Friday, going to Golden Queen Mine, which is a gold mine near Mojave, California. Cool. It's going to be a stacked week. And a lot of different stuff too. You know, it's not like one kind of project the whole time. And that was my intention was to go see as much variety as possible. We were supposed to go to Borax, that was the only one that's fallen through so far, uh, mostly because Rio Tinto has uh, just an amazing amount of lawyers mm-hmm. that I guess just get in the way of everything. Um, so that one's fallen through for about, it seems like a year now, but we'll we'll get in there one of these days. Yeah. I've been thinking since we did the M Shaw training, the part 48, that I'm like, I really want to go see a mine. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't. I mean, I can come up with a reason to do a podcast in a mine. Don't well, worry. Yeah. We could do dirt talk in a mine. <laughs> be a lot of reverb, a lot of echo going on on that, baby. Oh, uh, that's okay. But <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm working on trying to get everybody out to a mine yeah. this year. Uh, I have not told everybody. Well, now I just told everybody. Well, we can cut that part out. People probably don't even listen to this podcast. It's true. Our people. I, I send out an email every week. They've got every opportunity. Yeah, but they probably just have it sent right to their spam folder. That's true. And I don't blame them. <laughs> um, but yes, that is in the works, trying to get our people out to a mine site. Yeah, that'll be sick. So that's California. And then the this this coming week, we are going out to see Gelati Brothers, a build with partner, and then going to Firma, big demolition contractor mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. Then independent construction, 
to hopefully go see some paving and some earth moving quarry work and then Goodfellow. Wow. I'm, a, I'm impressed by your memory because you're doing this all off the top of your head. Unless there's a, there is no schedule in front of you. I, I have worked for probably six or eight weeks on this uh, trip. trip. Yeah. So I, I just sat down and I said, okay, I'm going to do somewhere in the United States to go see as much dirt as possible. Naturally, California is the place to be because there's so much variety there. Mm-hmm. And I know so many people out there and I haven't been out there in a while. So I sat down I took a eight and a half by 11 piece of paper out of my printer and just started sketching every, uh, every operation I know of in, in California and just tried to piece together what I wanted to go see and then started making phone calls. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of logistics sure. to go. I think I counted the last time I forgot a few companies. I counted it's 16 different companies in wow. 12 days. Um, so it's a lot of logistics to make that damn thing happen. But now that it's all shaken out, I'm, I'm ready to go. Is that you and Matt Briscoe? Matt Briscoe will be there second week. Got it. Okay. So I just wanted to be on my own the yeah, first week. A little solo trip. Yeah. I, I, I need some time on my own to just look at dirt. Um, like I used to do to get away from the, the fray of everything right now. And then Matt Briscoe will be there second week to start the whole vlog adventure again. Oh yeah. It's going to yeah. be fun. It will be a blast. Um, are you driving most of that or all of it? All of it. I oh, fly yeah. into LAX and then unfortunately, and then Do I have pick your pickup up, already uh, scheduled, making sure I yes. pick up truck this time. I pick up a pickup Yep. and then I end up in Sacramento where I will be flying out of um, on Friday morning. Is there a direct from Sacramento to Nashville? No, you have to go so. through Dallas-Fort Worth. Got it. And right now, there's not a whole lot of direct flights in general because the routes are so messed up. That's true. Because of COVID. They're starting to come back now, which is nice. But typically when we fly, we're always American because American's really the only one that goes everywhere mm-hmm. that we need to go. Well, yeah, we're not flying into major cities every time. No, you know, if you were, there's a lot of other options. But for us, it's, it's American or, or really nothing. Um, especially out of Nashville, it's either American or Southwest. Southwest yeah. just doesn't go where we need to go. Uh, so we always go through Dallas-Fort Worth. Dallas-Fort Worth or O'Hare. I've gotten to know you in the uh, American Express Lounge. Yeah, they, they have. <laughs> they they actually have. Yeah. And so we always fly in, you know, me, Angel, Eric. Chell's usually on his own because he flies Delta. So yeah. Salt Lake City is a big Delta hub. But usually me, Eric, Angel, will meet up at DFW and then we'll be on the same flight to whatever Wherever small town going. we're going. Yeah, That's cool. I mean, I don't know if it's cool, but it gets the job done. Well, it could be by yourself the whole time, every time. Yes. I think having a little bit of familiarity, in my experience, makes traveling like a little bit more enjoyable or at least bearable. Yeah, and it makes nearly missing your flight more fun when you're with other people. Well, yeah. You can kind of be like, sorry, guys, we're just stuck here. And it's not just you having to like deal. You know, there's some comedy when it's you with some someone else. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, or, or comedy that, afterwards, maybe. Or shared misery. Yeah. And, and it's it's type two fun. So it's it really sucks during, but you look back on it after and you're like, okay, that was actually kind of fun. Yeah, I feel like Buildwit is often a type two fun kind of place. 
a lot of type two fun, but that's the best kind of fun. Oh yeah, in my opinion, and that's the that's the kind of fun you talk about for when a long like, time. Man, that sucked, and then you laugh about it. Yes. Yep. yep. You laugh about how much it sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but during it was not laughable. Not laughable. Mm-mm. Um, Aaron, it feels like this week a lot of the des- design stuff has really been um, like on, on overdrive for the new office. Can you talk a little bit about it? We've had a lot of meetings lately yeah. and we are really starting to get our ducks in a row. We just got a building permit uh, finally yesterday. Ooh, That's awesome. So when they told me 12, to 10 to 12 weeks, they were not joking about that. And it is, don't just, it's just a maddening process. Yeah. How slow they are right now because of quote unquote COVID. They can't push permits through for whatever reason. Is there much that you're having to do actively during that waiting period? No. It's like, oh no, they have everything from you they and you're just waiting. Everything. And they just need Tom, Dick, and Harry to put their signature on it. Yep. And it is so frustrating how slow it is. But that's finally done. So we can finally ramp up. Um, a lot of meetings lately about furniture. Everything's custom furniture yep. through Southern Maple Co. Randy Cuba, he's in town uh, and doing all of our furniture. So we got to go pick up our slabs beautiful live edge ash slabs yeah. from a farm uh, outside of Murfreesboro. The didn't, guy has a sawmill out there. Didn't you say one of them's from over here? That One of yeah, the trees that came they, down? they were all from my neighborhood. That's cool. Yeah, in East Nashville, which is super, super cool. And they actually have the address from where it came from. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. So there'll be a whole story yeah. attached to these pieces of wood. And they're, they're absolutely gorgeous. So I'm really fired up about that. Um, figuring out low voltage, so network, security, access control, wiring, TVs, server, it is all way more complex than I had imagined. And that was something sure. that I'd really underestimated from a time, decision-making, and cost perspective. But we're nearing completion there. And then a lot of it's just, you know, what do you think about this tile? Or where do you need power? Or a lot of details right now. And thankfully, we have an amazing designer, Molly Abbott with Bandspas mm-hmm. Interiors. And she's she's done a really, really wonderful job through the entire process. And now it's the finer details as construction starting. Um, we had a, I guess we can call it a meeting on Tuesday um, to talk about the podcast studio and what she's envisioned, how she's designed it, how, how you and her have, have designed it. And then um, kind of what, I need from a more technical perspective. And so it was cool to kind of walk through those pieces and marrying, um, here's what I need for it to sound good in there and to not sound like a barn, um, but also for it to look cool and look the way we want it to look. And, and so it was cool to work, th- work through that with her. Um, and then she walked me through um, most of the layout of the office as well as like the elevation of each space. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. It's going to be, Fantastic. And it's been a little frustrating for me because it's been, you know, we started this process in July and it's been just so much work uh, with nothing to show for it. You don't get to see any of it. No. And, and that's very frustrating to me because I'm a very uh, uh, visual person. I need to see the progress of what I'm doing. Like cutting the lawn is super satisfying to me Mm because I can see, oh yeah, that's a good looking lawn. Um, And this has just not been the case until, you know, it'll be a few months down the road where I'll be like, okay, this was all worth it. But right now there's just not much to look at and be like, wow, that was all really worth it. I know it's all going to be really worth it, but it's, it's definitely taking a lot of patience from me. However, we have 
the best damn people on our team to make this thing happen. Yeah. Um, contractor, tenant building group, architects were great. Centric, um, you know, the, the furniture folks, these low voltage folks, everybody is just incredible. So we got really lucky in that regard. And so then it'll just be putting all the pieces together. Yeah, and we're trying to think through every detail and just every detail is so... There's just so many details. Mm -hmm. But the next one we get to go do, it'll be even better because now I at least know what I'm doing. And now I know to not assume that you're going to be able to build it for what you think you're going to yeah. pay for it. <laughs> now I know that you just need to triple your timeline, double your cost, and there will be you'll be a lot closer. Do you feel like there was some uh, expectation management you should have done with yourself as this kind of all got started? That you, in hindsight, you would be able to manage those expectations better. I thought it was going to be quick, and that was mistake one. Yeah, I've never done anything like this before, sure. so I don't know how long it's going to take. And, and you, when somebody says it takes this long, you're like, okay, cool. Yes, and what I've learned too is commercial is a whole different world than residential. It's mm -hmm. not even on the same planet. Um, so that's that's been you know I've been around residential construction quite a bit, but commercial I've never been around. So that's been a that's been a learning process. And then just cost. I mean, all this stuff, it really adds up at the end of the day. Sure. And it's very expensive. And we're, we're, we're sparing no expense on this one because we're going to be in the space a long time. And I know there's going to be a very significant return on investment oh, yeah. in having the space I want to have. But that's also a little stressful to see all the money going out, again, with nothing to really show for it. Mm -hmm. And even once we have the office the office is really not going to be generating a return on investment until a year down the road when everyone's actually in there and it's being used and it's kind of broken in. Then we'll start to see the benefits of it, but it's going to be a while. I, I do look forward to being able to bring like partners in there too. Well, that's one of the biggest benefits. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, as our company's grown, just the, the reoccurring issue and theme is lack of communication. Mm-hmm. And having a physical space is going to fix a lot of that. Yeah. And it's going to accelerate communication, is going to accelerate problem solving, is going to accelerate transparency, feedback, all the good stuff we're after. But remote, as our team is growing, it is only becoming more and more complicated and harder to communicate effectively. Yeah. So that's the biggest benefit. Secondary benefit is having our partners to our office, which I'm very excited about. I can't wait, dude. This summer, baby. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Don't speak too soon. Um, Aaron, we got a couple great questions today, and we have a little bit of a theme. We technically have two people who are being featured, Bryce Holmes and Emma Bachtel. I think that's how I pronounce it. So sorry, Emma, if I haven't. Please send me an email telling me how I should um, pronounce it. But... The, the theme is um, young people. Both of these uh, folks are, I guess, Emma is a freshman in college, and then Bryce is still in high school. And they both reached out with, with great questions um, that I just I think are worthy of um, our full kind of question time. Great. So, uh, Aaron, if you're ready, this first question is from Bryce Holmes. As a young kid in high school, what can I do to prepare myself to be the best slash hardest worker for a future company? My family is the opposite of blue collar, and so there aren't many opportunities to get dirty around my house. So how can I maximize my time in high school to be the best person slash employee possible? I appreciate all you do. You have inspired my love for all things blue collar. Thank you. Pretty cool. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's the target demographic, really, is people that are not from blue-collar backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing is just trying to find those, seek out those opportunities in which you can work hard for somebody, whether it's pushing a broom at a shop or I worked on a, a, a farm and a, a, like a ranch two beasts of property up in Montana for two guys. I would first and foremost try to seek out one of those opportunities. And, and if nothing else, I worked at a, um, uh, during the school year when I was in high school, right when I turned 16 and could legally get a job somewhere, I worked at an aquarium store. Mm-hmm. And it was a ton of fun, but it also sucked. It's just, it's just really bad work and really tedious work. Yeah. And it's just hot working in an aquarium store in Phoenix in the summers. And it was uh, an adventure to say the least, but I absolutely loved it. That's one of my other enormous loves is aquariums. Uh, But my biggest recommendation would be to get a job and work. Mm -hmm. Just get a job, work, and utilize every summer. I see too many kids screwing off uh, over the summers. Yeah. And they're not really there to screw off. You know, screw off during the school year and especially in college. Like, okay, college is not all that hard. I went to engineering school, which is arguably one of the harder hard. pathways. Yeah. And I still had plenty of screwing off time. Sure. You have plenty of time to screw off during the school year. Summer is not the time to hang out. Summer is the time to work, in my opinion, because while everyone else is screwing off, you're there with your head down and after a few years of doing that, you are leagues ahead of anybody else. And that's where, you know, that's why I've been able to accelerate my career path and growth as an individual. And is why I'm at where I'm at at 26 years old, partially because I worked every summer starting as a freshman in high school. So I had worked for eight summers you know, by the time I'd graduated college yeah, for in, in, within quite a few different companies and all different types of experiences. So I had so much more work experience than anyone else, even people in their 30s a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So that would be my biggest piece of advice is get a job. And like I explained everybody, and I guess this was something I didn't bring up I uh, on last week's episode, I cold called the owner of a construction company, Rich Pearson, that was working in my neighborhood. I've mm-hmm. said that a million times. It's as easy as that. If you find a company working in your neighborhood that that draws your interest, call them up. Ask to talk to the guy. Go into the office. Meet people in person. Don't just apply online like, well, they didn't hire me. I don't know what to do. Like, no, just don't be a dummy. Like, just make it happen. Because if you walk into someone's office, ask for a job, Nine out of 10 times, they're not going to say no, ultimately. And I actually had lunch with Rich Pearson when I was in Phoenix. Nice. A week ago. Yeah. And I hadn't seen him since I was 18 when I'd worked for him. It was super surreal to see this guy and explain what I was doing. And he, you know, he's not on social media or anything like that. Yeah. So he had no clue. Uh, but just to show him what we're doing, and, and he thought it was pretty damn cool. But it all started with, me just calling some guy asking to go pick up a shovel and creating that opportunity for myself. So I think that's what I'd say. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, 
I feel like when I when I look back at the the jobs that I had in high school, the ones that like have meant something to me in terms of my like personal growth have been the ones that were like physically hard every time. You know, like I, I cleaned pools one summer and it was seven days a week, get to the office at five AM and I'm like, I'm eighteen years old. Like, how does anyone do this? Now of course I wake up every early every day. But then I feel like there was a lot of growing up that I was like forced to do in those sorts of positions that I wouldn't have been able to get, you know, somewhere else. Yeah, you, 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 there were a lot of times where I felt like I was missing out on something mm-hmm. or people will even tell you you're missing out, yep. but you're not missing out on anything. You're so much better off working. And the, the kids that, and the, now the adults that have never worked in their life, it's very apparent that they've never worked in their life. Yep. And they're hurting as a result without that experience. Well, I, I do think it's important to work a job because you have to at some, you know, even if like you're going to school for something that you know you're going to have great job placement, that's going to work out like fine. But I think it's also important to get a job because like y- you need to um, support yourself. And I think there's something character building about that in a way that would just be hard if like, like man, I need to get a job because wouldn't that be good if I had a job? Well, but that's, so that's where I was is when I got a job as a laborer and a construction crew at 18, I did not need a job. Oh, okay. I, I mean, honestly, I had money for college. Everything was paid for. Yeah. Everything was paid for my whole life. You know, I was raised in a well-off house with, sure. with well-off people all around me that never struggled for money ever. And I did not need a job. Um, but I... I knew it was what I needed to do to go down this path. Mm-hmm. And so even if you don't need a job, and that's those are a lot of the people I've been around, is the people that have not needed to work, and then they haven't worked. Because they didn't have to. They had, yeah. didn't have to, and now they're in deep shit because they've never learned how to work. And that's something school's not going to teach you. Yeah, And they've missed out on that opportunity. So even if you are in a position where you don't need the money, it's you need to create the urgency and create the desire to go out, pick up a shovel for the sake of learning how to work, not the money and getting the experience, not the money. The money's a plus. Yeah. And and I'm, in, I was in a fortunate position to say that. And then, you know, if, if the money is not something you need, you go put it away. And that's how I started the business three years ago was I had this money saved up. You didn't have to spend, you know, that money for a while. That's cool. I was just sitting there yeah, and that was my perfect retirement plan. But then I took it all out of the market and my retirement accounts and spent it all on the company. So I have no savings anymore. Yeah, I spent it all on the company, but it gave me an enormous head start to have all that money sitting there because I'd worked for so many years. Well, Bryce, I hope that answers your question um, or at least continues to pique your interest in the blue crawler world in general and especially in the dirt world. Thank you, Bryce. That was great, man. Really great to hear from you. Our next question is a two-parter, but I think they're both pretty good. Um, so this is from Emma Boxel. She is a freshman in college. First question, and I think I'll just do one and then we'll touch on the other. With all of the virtual alternatives that people have started using, especially in the midst of the pandemic, I find it fascinating that you still travel long distances to meet with your partners in person. What value have you found in this? Do you find that the costs of traveling pay off in other ways? Nothing will ever beat face-to-face interaction. I am such a firm 
believer in that, especially after this past year. There is nothing better than staring someone in the face, shaking their hand, and actually having an interpersonal conversation. Zoom will never come close to that. Mm -mm. Phone calls will never come close to that. Even just being in someone's presence, it's more important than a lot of stuff you can do remotely. So that's why, you know, largely we try to do as much in person as we can. Yeah. And this industry, it is it is not a remote industry. No one is no one has gone remote in this industry. You can't you can't, can't just work from home as a dozer operator pushing dirt. Everyone's everyone's been working this entire time. And if they're working, we're working. And to capture the stories, we need to go out to job sites. We can't do it over Zoom. To form personal relationships with these people, go into our values, be a friend. Yep. You need to go spend time with them. So I, you know, we spend a lot of money on travel, um, a lot of tens of thousands every every month, but it creates an enormous return at the end of the day. I am happy to spend that money because there's no chance that we could ever replace it all with internet communication. And I... I hate Zoom calls. Yeah, I I great. hate remote stuff. I hate it. Um, I don't mind phone calls because it's easier to do and, and gives me the flexibility, mostly just a pace. I like to pace and walk when I talk. When I'm on a computer, I'm stuck in a chair and I just can't cannot stand it. Yeah. Um, but I will, if it's you know online or in person, ten out of ten times I will pick in person. And there was some risk associated with that early on. So we said, all right, May until we're we're not going to travel April and May of 2020. May first came around, and I just ran the numbers in my head, the math for me personally, and okay, is the reward worth the potential risk? Absolutely. Yeah. So I was happy to take the risk on of traveling again and going across the United States like we did in in the month of May. That was and, you and Angel, right? Me and Angel, and I asked Angel, are you cool with this? He says, I'm cool. Let's. I want to get the hell out of the house. Let's go. Yeah. And we started traveling again, and since then, we haven't looked back. So do we require anybody to travel? Not really. Content teams have to. That's part of the job description. We're pretty upfront about that. But most of our company doesn't have to travel. That said, everyone has the freedom to, hey, if you need to get on an airplane, get on a damn airplane and go see these people because it is so worth the amount of time you have to spend to get there for one hour in person than an entire day of online calls. Mm -hmm. You just, it's so much more valuable. What I've found is, and I think this year has sort of forced this education, but after some calls or some longer meetings um, through you know Zoom or whatever, realizing that, man, I should have just been there. Mm -hmm. I should have found a way, should have found a way to just be there for this. Yeah. And then there are others where it's like, yeah, I'm glad this was just a phone call. But I don't know that I would have like have refined my discernment in that way if I wasn't forced to have so many video calls right now, you know. And I'm not on the content team, so I'm not having to be out every week or anything like that. But it's just as my relationship is built with our partners in different ways that it's like, man, I I should just I should have just gone and seen, seen them for this part or you know whatever it is. So I think a positive of being forced to have all of these Zoom calls is really being able to tell like these sorts of situations I need to be in person. 
Yeah, and there's a lot more value than just the relationship benefit to being in person too. Mm-hmm. Traveling this past year, you know, I did a hundred flights last year when no one, had, some people had never even fucking left their house. I got to see the world, yeah, and see reality. And it was an enormous wake-up call to me because I was being told one thing on TV and reality was a totally different picture. Totally different. And I went to, I mean, I I saw 40 states last year. So you can't make the argument, well, you were just going to San Francisco. I mean, yeah, that's that's not reality. No, we went to back roads south yeah downtown of the biggest cities in the in the united states and everywhere in between and everyone is so terrified because they haven't left their houses while i've been traveling this whole time seeing the world seeing reality experiencing things for myself and being able to form my own damn opinions without having to rely on someone else's information that's probably incorrect and probably is being put out there to make me form the opinion they want me to form. Yeah. Um, so that was the absolute biggest benefit to my travel over the past year was seeing reality, meeting people, talking through things in person and forming real experiences rather than just consuming what I see on the internet and taking that for reality. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The second question from Emma, which is also great. I've heard of many companies that are deciding to decrease or entirely eliminate their office space in favor of virtual workspaces. BuildWit, on the other hand, is opening its office space in Nashville. What impact do you believe an office space or lack thereof has on company culture? I've also noticed in the rendered layouts of the office that it has a very unique design. Can you please talk about what your thought process was when designing the office? I think the companies that are going 100% remote now are going to be absolutely obliterated down the road. They are ruining their culture, ruining their communication, ruining their businesses. Mm-hmm. I, and, and it's a prediction. Maybe it goes fantastic and now everything's remote forever. But the social temperature is just not there. People want to be in person. And you can get so much more done in person like we were just talking about. You can build a culture far more effectively in person than you can. You can't, you can't create the relationships that are... Deep and dynamic online. It's not possible. So I believe that we need to be in person as a business. We need a physical home as a business so we can meet face-to-face. Now, from the beginning, and I sent out an internal note a few weeks ago, I said, we are designing this office as we would have two years ago. There's not, there will not be a single mention of COVID in this office. There will not be plexiglass. There will not be hand sanitizer every two feet. There won't be social distancing. There won't be mask requirements. We'll never require you to get a vaccine. Nothing. None of that. But you don't have to be here. If you want to work from home, that's fantastic. If you want to be in person, that's fantastic. If you want to come in the office wearing a mask because that makes you feel better, that's fantastic. Yeah. But it's not our place to tell you what to do. And... I'm very upset by the businesses that have have done that because it's taking personal responsibility away from their people. Mm-hmm. And we're a, we're a very fortunate business, so we don't all have to be in person. So there are businesses that, okay, we have to be in person. We have to be very close. We, we're going to have to protect ourselves here. We do have that privilege. 
But a lot of businesses do have that privilege Mm -hmm. and yet they have taken that responsibility away from their people. And we believe in giving everybody the ability to make their own decisions. So with decision-making, there are consequences associated with every decision, positive and negative. Yep. And that's what I've explained to everybody is we're designing this office as we would have normally based on all of the research I've, I've gathered and be, the best companies that I love that I've studied and how they work and what their workspaces look like. And if you want to come in, great. If you don't feel comfortable, don't come in. That's on you. So, uh, and, and we had our company meeting in person in December mm-hmm. and it was the same thing. If you're uncomfortable, you don't have to show up. Everyone showed up. That's the social temperature right now. People want to be around people. They want that. They're craving and that. And we also did have space. I mean, you know, we had how many tables that we rent? 20, yeah. 20 tables for spacious. 22 people or something. Yeah, we're not you working know? on top of each yeah. other. So that's where I'm at with, with that and, and the design as far as, and, and that's, a, that's a line I'm very comfortable with drawing. Yeah. And as far as the design of the office goes, transparency is key. So we have not, we've designed it with no private offices, which people have said, well, that's stupid, but all right. You know, is it with all of these major consulting businesses and most successful businesses in the world going in that direction? I, I don't know. I feel, I feel good about it as our business. I want to be an open environment without shared stuff. And, and if someone can hear my conversation, that should be kept secret, that's fine. Like, I don't want any level of transparency. I don't, I I want total transparency. Yeah. So that's why we uh, designed it with no offices. I want it to be a flexible space. So there are workstations, but then there are are, are larger private meeting rooms, smaller private meeting rooms, a living room area, an enormous kitchen, two community tables. So you can use the space as you want to use it. It's flexible. You're not just stuck at a desk all day. Um, materials, we've really thought through just the quality of materials we're using. And, and instead of getting shitty office furniture, I wanted all custom ash furniture that's really beautiful and just exciting to, to look at. Um, kitchen, I wanted an enormous kitchen. I want a huge meeting space for our business. I want tractor parts throughout the office and, and our artwork and our partners featured. So we have all the hard hats of every partner we work with yeah, that'd displayed be great. and tractor parts on a wall and our values on a wall and, and, a, a, and an American flag, you know, what's, what's really important to us as a business and how do we display that? We'll have a TV with financial metrics of our business. That'll be on display daily. Mm-hmm. Here's where our business stands financially, just so everyone's aware. Um, tons of lighting, tons of, you know, the, the, the windows all open. The space is very special to begin with. I tried to find the most yep. special space I could find this beautiful historic space that was an old hammer mill. The building is called Hammer Mill now mm-hmm. next to a meatpacking plant, which is being rebuilt right now. All the windows open, natural light's beautiful. Our lighting package is extraordinary. Um, we when have I, When I've told people where, where it is, the people in Nashville are always like, whoa. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's it was, gonna be great. It was dumb luck, honestly. Um, so the space is really beautiful. We're preserving the space. So we're restoring the floors. We're keeping the brick as is. We're keeping all the ceilings totally exposed. Um, we're, we're taking care of really small details like people, like a lot of plants. That's really important. Really high quality filtered water. That's really important. A nice maker. 
just little details like that. An yeah. enormous commercial refrigerator so you can bring your stuff in. A stove so you can cook if you want to cook. Showers in the bathrooms. So if you want to go for a run during lunch, you can. Or you can go work out at the gym across the street, come back, have a really nice shower to come back to. So yeah. you can you can, you can can clean yourself up before you go back to work. So it's flexible in that regard. Or you want to go work out in the morning on Saturday, come to the office, take a shower, work. So I could go on and on and on and on about the office, but those are a lot of the key features. We are, it will be open to the public. So we have a storefront that we're putting into the office. We have the podcast studio. We have like a, a library and, and that sitting area so people can just hang out. Um, we'll have a bar. So there will be plenty of alcohol for sure. people if they, if they want it. We'll have a, a coffee bar so people can make really, really nice coffee because I'm very particular about my coffee. Yeah. In summary, I've designed it to be a place that people want to be. I, instead of approaching employment and being an employer from a sense of entitlement, which a lot of employers do, they're entitled, and I'm going to force people to come into my office. No, I'm not going to require a single person to be in the office, mm -hmm. but I'm going to make it so fucking appealing to be there that they will be there and they will choose to be there over anywhere else they could be. Yeah. That's the intention. I think the first conversation you and I ever had, um, you know, we, we talked about like remote work versus in office work. And, you know, there was some talk even then that you're probably going to move or move the headquarters to Nashville, such establish a headquarters in Nashville. Um, and then that you would move here. And kind of what I had expressed initially was, you know, I, I don't want to be married to having to be at my desk every single day for, you know, this long of, of time every single day. Like I, I just, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, and you really summed it up really great. You're like, I'm not a nine to five person. Why would I expect anyone else to be? Mm -hmm. And so as you know, our company has grown that, that sort of like schedule or regimented setup just makes less and less sense for our company. And that's why, like you said, you're not requiring anybody to come in. You're not setting it up so you're forced to be there. You know, it's like if you don't swipe your fob or whatever by you know this time, you're going to know about. It. You know, like there's none of that because there there's this personal responsibility piece, um, and there's the nature of our work which requires flexibility, which requires um, be, being able to do it in any number of places. And I think when you say you want to make an office that is so desirable that people are going to want to be there. I think that's how you do it. I think the minute you say, I'm building this office for all, for all of us to be there 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And if you get there later, leave early. This maybe isn't for you. It's, it makes no sense. Yeah, it's not how I work. It's not how anybody, it's not how humans really work. And if they want to be there 8 to 5, great. Be there at sure. 5. I don't care. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, we're going through access control right now to the building. It's, it'll be 24 hours a day. Access control. So if you want to work late at night, work late at night. If you want to come in late, come in late. But that's not to say that our expectations are low. Like, you know, the yeah. expectations around here. Yeah. If you're not delivering, it's very, very apparent very quickly because we move so fast. Everyone's so hungry. So if you can't keep up, you are going to struggle quickly and we are going to know about it. And, you know, a lot of times it's, okay, we need to part ways with this person because they just can't keep up. Or do we need to 
give them more resources because they can't keep up or is there training opportunity? Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do that, but we're not playing to just make a quick dollar here. We're we're playing to change a whole industry to win, to absolutely obliterate. So there are very, very high expectations that come with that freedom. It's, you know, freedom doesn't, is not free. As mm -hmm. they say, yeah. if you're, if, if we're going to give everybody that level of freedom, they will be expected to perform at the highest level. Yeah. And if they don't, we're going to have problems. Um, and I'm fine with saying that too. You know, we say in our job descriptions, this place is not for everybody. It's not for everybody. And our hiring filter system that we have between Matt Biddle, um, the the different departments that interview uh, people that that come and um, have applied to to work with BuildWit, I think does a great job of figuring out who's a great fit for this, who's not, who's this just isn't for them, or um, whatever the case may be, so that when we bring somebody on. Like they know there, there's no expectation. There's no, I know like what I want to say in my heart. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, the expectation and the assumption is that I can count on my, my team and we're not, we're not bringing it on. We're not bringing on anybody who does not hit that assumption out of the park. Correct. It's, it comes down to trust. Yeah. You can trust everyone else to perform mm -hmm. when needed. And then you you need to maintain that sense of trust and and they have in you by performing yeah. as well, and that's why like we read this this book No Rules Rules and they talk about the analogy of their company being a professional sports team. I don't necessarily like that, so I look at it as because I don't think it's as as caring enough. I like I like the like looking at like special operations in the military. Performance is extremely rigorous. And everyone really cares about everybody else around them. So that's what we're after here is yeah. extremely high performance while also deeply caring for everyone around you, having absolute trust in those around you to deliver and perform. And if we can do that and maintain that, we should be in a pretty good spot. Agreed. So that's office stuff. Emma, thank you for reaching out, Bryce, as well. That was, that was great stuff. Um, please stay in touch. We'd love to um, continue any any of these conversations or answer any questions that you've got. Thanks to everyone who has submitted questions in the last few weeks. They keep coming in and they, they keep being better than the last. So very, very thankful for that. Aaron, you want to talk about our this week's guest? This week's guest, Eric Selman with Mortensen. He has grown Mortensen Civil Division out of the enormous general contractor Mortensen is. Over the past few years, um, he was at a large contractor in uh, Minneapolis. I think they're out of Minneapolis, McCrossan. Went to Mortensen to start up their civil division and has grown it into a, a true behemoth, especially in the renewable energy market, building wind and solar projects. So it's, it's going to be a, a super good conversation, high level, talking about the industry, talking about culture, talking about the changes the industry needs to make. I'm a huge fan of, of what Mortensen Civil has done. I respect Eric a ton. So I'm excited to have him on and share about his experience in the industry. It'll be a good conversation. I look forward to listening to it twice. Once while I'm editing it and a second time as a, a fully finished piece. I was going to say, you're, you're paid to listen to it. So you have only, to listen only, to it regardless. I'm only paid for the first time. Yeah, second time yeah. is out of interest. Yeah, so minimum though, you have to listen to it once. Yeah, so that'd be a good one. Um, Aaron, do you have anything else? No, 
Just keep sending your questions to Dirt Talk at buildwit.com. Follow Buildwit Grading on Instagram. <laughs> if you want to learn more about our, our construction division, we're very excited about Buildwit Excavating and Grading. Can't believe it's already the number one excavation company in the world. I told you we're playing to win here. Yeah. Playing to win. You don't want to win by one. No. Playing to win. So check check out Buildwood Excavating and Grading. And that concludes this episode of Monday Dirt Talk. We'll see everybody on the next one. Stay dirty.